Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This A's cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got a special edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend for you. It's an Oakland A's Hall of Fame edition. Three of the members that are going in, Jason Giambi, Gene Tennis, and Carney Lansford. Jason Giambi, American League MVP in 2000, a five-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, AL Comeback Player of the Year. What a career. Gene Tennis, Gino, wow. You look at his credentials, a six-time World Series champion, four as a player, two as a coach, World Series MVP in 1972, and an All-Star in 1975. And the kid in the Bay, from the Bay Area grew up in San Jose, starred for the A's, a World Series champion in 1989, a All-Star in 1988, a Silver Slugger Award in 1981, and of course, an American League batting champion in 1981, the great Carney Lansford. That's what we got it's really, really cool, and we're going to start with Jason Giambi. Do we have the American League MVP from 2000? Hey, Thomas, how you guys doing? Hey, Jason Giambi, how are you? It is good to see you once again. Chris Townsend with the A's. Good to see you, Chris. How you been? Uh, I- I've been well. I was actually telling the story about how you took me deep in college back, <laughs> back, back when Long Beach State, this is how old we are, Back when you guys used to play on campus. Oh, yeah. I remember. I remember playing. It was the old days. The the good old days. Well, I got, you know, there was just something about you and the relationship and and what I love so much about you going into the Hall of Fame, the A's Hall of Fame. It's truly your love. You love playing for this organization. You love the fan base. It's going to be fitting, and I know Sunday's going to mean a lot to you. Uh, it's it's incredible. I, I'm I'm definitely honored. I mean, the A's, Mr. Fisher. I, I mean, it's where you start. You always have those memories of where you start. And I mean, I got to play with all my heroes when I first got there. You know, and from Mark to Eckersley to everybody else to the Hudson Molinozito, like to make that transition and and to be a part of some of those incredible teams. I I mean, the fans that are there are die hard. To die hard. I mean, they really are. And uh, it, it was amazing to play there. I think about 2000. I also think about 2001. I know you won the MVP in 2000. Covered that year. Covered 01. I think you're better in 01. Obviously, the new thing about Ichiro coming over. But just talk about those two years. Because when you mix everything, when you mix batting average with power, 
driving the ball to left center, which was your signature, the doubles, the walks. You did everything, and you also didn't get enough credit for your defense. But talk about those two years specifically, how how much they meant to you in your career and how good they were. Oh, they were they were incredible because my brother was there as well. Yeah. You know, and it was like Little League. It was like going to the park every day, just – I had never got a chance to play with him and, and to have that opportunity. You know, I'll, I'll never forget that. And I think that's some of the reason, you know, and that's the same year that I started dating my wife. So it was like my world had become complete and it was, you know, having a great time in the organization. It was incredible. And all these surrounding people that I had, it's just, it, I think that's what brought it to the, through the roof is just that it was all, it all came together It all came together those two years. And, and there's a special thing there, too, where you think about you saw it growing, right? You see these young oh. pitchers, and you had to think, like, man, we got these young pitchers. Like, like you knew that you guys were going to be players in Major League Baseball, that you were going to factor in who the best teams are. Oh, we would have been the Braves. There's no doubt. We would have been waiting forever because you still had Harden in the minors and all these other guys in the minor leagues that hadn't even got a chance to come to the big leagues yet uh, that, I mean, they were stacked. I mean, you just would have wrote, you would have never had to get a free agent. I mean, that's how stacked they were in the minor leagues. You just bring up some in the lineup and that, that they could have learned. They would have had to learn it. You could learn underneath us. It, it would have been incredible. I mean, it really would have. You, you, you know, later on, we never really realized. You just thought Mark McGuire was this great power hitter, right? Mark McGuire sets the record, and, you know, Mark McGuire had the rookie record. Mark, it's Mark McGuire, for God's sake. <laughs> we, we didn't realize what a great hitting coach, the mental side, until he came back to baseball with St. Louis and L.A. and San Diego. We started to realize, wow, this guy's like a hitting savant. You got to see the early part of that when he was still a player what was it like learning from Mark McGuire? Because obviously both of you guys are from Southern California. You knew he was already a star, but what did you learn from him? Well, I fought him around like a puppy dog for about four years, and uh, he took me under his wing. And from then, I got to see some of the greatest hitters of all time. You know, I was still playing. Donnie was still playing in Winfield and Puckett and, and all these guys. And, of course, Mark was who, you know, a star of the game. So I'm just standing there listening to all these things. We would talk about hitting, go to lunch, talk about hitting, you know, what, what to look for, what to counts. And so you were constantly talking about the one part of our game that was the best all the time. So it's like mental notes, all that, you know, and I always think that when you talk about it, he's talking about something, you also learn something as well. And I think that's why he started to skyrocket as well, because it's just when you kind of put those pieces together, the puzzle, you know, sometimes there's like aha moment. You know, we're like, oh, that works. That, that'll work for me. You know, or other times you're like, eh, I don't really see that in my game. But that's where you start picking up pieces of the puzzle along the way, which sped up my learning curve like tenfold because I didn't have to go through all the ups and downs as a young player when I had one of the best hitters in the game. And like you said, he didn't get enough credit for what kind of hitter he was. But then you're talking to the rest of the best hitters in the game. And there you are like standing there just like, Okay, you know, having the time of your life, like you're that kid that's still getting the autograph and listening to him talk about hitting. Now, you start thinking about when you started to become a star. When did you really start to notice it? Because all of a sudden, there was a lot of things about to be thrown your way early in your career. When did you start to sit back and go, wow, it's happening? I think when Mark left and I went to first base and then Matt Stairs and I were both standing there going, 
God, if we do the same things you Hayes rookies with, we'll have nobody on the veteran bus. We just you and I, you know, like, so <laughs> we had to, we had to like welcome those young kids. Like, you know, I had to tell Eck the seventh inning, like it's the seventh dance where you get dressed. And I had to carry the beer and sit on the, the media bus and all these stuff and had to sit in the toilet, you know, when I got finally invited, but we're like, it's going to be you and I on this bus. So we had to have a different approach of like welcoming these young kids and making them feel like a part of it. So that's how it became like a frat house because you had all these young kids there having the time of your life. And then before you know it, you're like, you're young too. So, I, I mean, then it just all worked. Then the, the piece of the puzzle worked. That chemistry came together really fast. Well, I think about the environment you guys set in that clubhouse, even long after you were gone, it never left. I think, no. yeah, it's like this fun, like, you know, baseball, God, these clubhouses were just so, uh, you, you, A's clubhouse, I, it was fun. I shit, One thing, guys have remote control cars. I mean, there's all <laughs> kinds of, I mean, there's stuff going on, always stuff going on. Uh, that had to be something you had to love that, that you were the big part of that and that it didn't leave, even probably when you came back in 09. No, thank you. But it, it, it's it's the guys. That's what who makes it happen. It's it's just not one person. It's it's everybody buying into that kind of philosophy. Like, hey, we're gonna have fun, and there's enough time. Like, when we hit the field. There's enough time to take care of business. But until then, we're gonna have fun, and you know, and that's what separates us differently from everybody else. How tough was it to leave Oakland? It was really tough. I had a deal on the table and, and they had pulled it off. And, and then I played that whole year without a contract, you know, so that which opened the door to other teams. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I tried and it didn't work out and, and I don't really blame anybody. More money than they bought the club for, you know, so I don't, you know, and then they also had young players and they were losing some other players. So that that's just, the hard thing about being in that small market until you got more revenue sharing and more things to, to pass on, you know, that that's the tough thing about this game. And now I think with new TV contracts and, you know, internet and everything else, there's, there's more money to be spread out throughout the game. I mean, you got t teams like Tampa now who are doing amazing that are, I mean, you've really look at it. They're still a, like a small budget, you know, but they spend money because they have money now. So, and they're winning. But it, 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 the game has definitely gotten out of that extra wild card. It's made it more exciting because now you have teams that are – I mean, there's a couple of years where we could have made a playoff if we had a second wild card. But that's what's made the game more exciting now because there's more teams in the hunt at the end. So you have more fan support. You have more people coming out going, hey, we got a chance. We're not that far back. And, and I think that's really picked up the game. Yeah, if you think about 99, if we are where we are today, you guys would have made the playoffs in 99. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. then, then that brings that whole, you know, like, oh, then 2000 is a big year. Then 2000, you know, it's like, then the fans get, get that excitement. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like, oh, all these guys are going to be back. All these guys are going to be back. And that's, that's how you build, you know, like what Atlanta did. Cleveland did back in the early, you know, early 90s and things like that with Tomei and Manny and, and then, you know, Boston. And that's how they just keep the ball rolling. And they just go get one player here, one player there, one, you know that homegrown guy. And so, I mean, even the AAA out here is exciting to watch. You know, when you go watch those guys play, you start to have this fan base that now you have A's fans everywhere. What was the entire New York experience like? Because you went to New York after, let's face it, they had won those three straight World Series. 
They they lost the World Series trying to make it four in a row against the D-backs, but they were still star-studded. They still wanted to win every single year. You go there as the big free agent. You're now a star, kind of like Reggie back in the day. I'm bringing my star to New York. What was the experience like? It's like a traveling rock band. I mean, it really is. It's like uh, you go in the hotels and they're packed and – you have Joe Torre and Derek Jeter and Mariano and Jorge Posada, and you have all these st- like superstars among themselves, and you're getting a chance to, to play with some of the most incredible players in the game and the, the fans that are like, like I would always say, I went over for four, I didn't go home and sleep, but if the Yankees didn't win, they didn't go home and sleep. You know, it's like that's that's how they do. They live and die. I mean, they don't go to Met Stadium. They only go to Yankee Stadium, and they're diehards, man, and it's – it's an honor playing in front of them, and it, it, it tests you as a as a player. It tests you as a person because you you have to stand up and take responsibility for your stuff. You know, like if you have a bad game, you have to talk to the media. You know, you can't just walk out. You know, and and you got to answer the question. So it, it was a incredible experience. You know that I mean, it's the mecca. I mean, of baseball, Babe Ruth. You know, Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. I mean, all the greats ever played there as well you know one of the great parts about your career was the last parts of your career and i remember interviewing you as a colorado rocky and when all of a sudden jason giambi is not the star jason giambi is not the everyday going to be the mvp guy you are now the mentor you are now the guy that you've seen it. You've had your ups. You've had your downs. You've had to deal with some emotional stuff, the press conference. You you provide so much maturity for those teams and what you meant to the then Cleveland Indians and what you meant to the Rockies. For all these people, and we still talk about it today, going, the minute he wants back in this game, there's still people who think you'd be a great manager. Talk about the end of your career where now you truly are what, like what Mark McGuire was to you. Yeah, well, I, I literally played them the last five years of my 20-year career because of that, because I was willing to help the young kids. And I always thought, it's a damn shame if I don't pass this on to, like, someone else. You know, that's it was passed on from Mark to me, and that's, I think, how you honor the after that, you know, I had Michael Brantley and Kipnis and Todd Helton and Tulowitzki. And, yeah. you know, you had all these incredible players that I still got a chance to play with. That was so fun to watch. But they just needed to learn that that learning curve of yeah, to do things, to have those back-to-back seasons instead of, like, one great year, one bad year, one great year, one bad year. So you could, like, help them through their tough times. And I really, really enjoyed it. It was so much fun to go to the ballpark and come off the bench and win games and hit home runs, off, you know as a pinch hitter and but it, i i also had a chance to play for some of the greatest managers in the game i yeah. mean if you think about it, for tony to jim tracy to tito i mean joe tory i mean I, it goes on the list goes on and on uh art howe you know I, it just it was phenomenal i mean these guys to watch day in and day out and like listen to them talk and listen to how they maneuver guys or talk to guys it, it was incredible. Like, I had every portion of the game that I took the chance to look at, though. Like, I, 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 I really did. I loved the game so much. I took it every part of it. I just didn't go, all right, I'm not here to dig myself. And, like, whatever. I, I, I cared about my teammates. I cared about what was happening with the team. And, 
and uh, it paid off. You know, like my son plays baseball and out they have a little travel ball team, and yeah. you know, they went from coach pitch to real pitch, and then they started winning all the time. And it, it's it's like it brings back the joy of what it's all about. You know, I love it. I love. I still get calls from guys today that. I mean, I'm struggling, dude, at two in the morning. You know, like you can call me anytime and we talk through it. And, and you know, I talk through it off the ledge and but it's 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 cool. Like I still have relationships in the game, which is which is incredible. You know, the thing about it, I'm like 52 and these guys are still calling to ask for help, you know, and I, I love every minute of it. Well, last time I talked to you on the field, it was just a few years ago. I asked you the question, you talked about your kids. I'm yep. going to ask you again. Anytime you want to come back, there's people who think you'll make a great manager. They think well, you'll roll right in. I, I, I get the calls every year. You know, you ready yet? You ready yet? And I, you know, I, I, I have, I uh, kind of finally grew up. I have four children now instead of three. So we have a one-year-old. <laughs> it took me a long time to grow up. But, uh, you know, it, it's starting to blossom out. You know, I'm helping my son do his thing. Still have been players. You know, I've gone to some spring trainings. And, you know, just to kind of get that, because I when I want to do that, that's why I go down the rabbit hole. I, that's My wife always says, I know you. Once you go, you'll go down the rabbit hole, and I won't see you. So make sure when you're ready, we're ready to go with you, because we're not going to see you, you know, because yeah. that's who I am. Because I care I care deeply about the game. I really, I really do. I love the game. And it has taught me so much as a man as a young kid, as a human being, you know, it, it, it's who I am today because of that game, you know, and, and I think that's how you honor it. You think about when you came to the athletics way back when out of Long Beach State, yep. and then on Sunday you're going to be wearing that green jacket and you'll be forever remembered as an Oakland A Hall of Famer. Uh, how emotional is this speech going to be for you? It's going to be tough, you know, uh, the person that taught me the game, my dad's no longer around. The my brother, who I've had some of the best years of my career when I was with, won't be there. You know, so it will be it will be emotional. Not only that, my kids never saw me play. You know, like they really didn't. My daughter was the oldest when I was in Cleveland and she was born in 2011. I retired in 2014 and she remembers a little bit, but none of the other kids really remember me playing i'm like the youtube dad you know like they watch me play on youtube uh or the video games you know the the video games that i was on cover so it, it's got to be special like you know my son loves baseball like all on his own and not even dad got involved with that i said you know i said if you want to play buddy it's up to you you know and he just gravitated towards it you know and he like wanted to do it i said all right if you want to do it i'll teach you everything i know and like He's a grinder, man, too. He, like, I remember the first game he ever played, first game of coach fit. We played, like, the number four team in, like, Nevada. There one travel ball team. This guy's throwing gas and drills him right in the back. Like, first pitch of the first first ever bat. Drills him right in the back. He's a skinny kid, too. So, it's like, scope. Like, I got to, like, pop it out of his chest. And, like, and I'm like, all right, buddy. You're either going to come up your next bat and get a hit or you're not. And we're going to find you another sport. Then you'll be a baseball player if you get a hit. So he comes up next bat, lines one to left field, and I go, you're a baseball player. So he's never been scared after that again. After, I mean, he got that one right out of the way first at bat, and he's been well on his way. Well, I, I know for a lot of fans, they're going to be so pumped to see you. And, you know, you, you, may be, you may be great on YouTube, but a lot of us remember you back in the Big West, how good you were at Long Beach State. 
And then, of course, what you did throughout the A's organization, the big leagues, whether it's the A's, the Yankees, the Rockies, the Indians, you name it. You had an unbelievable career. You're a great player. And you're going to be an Oakland A's Hall of Famer on Sunday. So we can't wait to see you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Chris, it's such an honor to see you again, buddy. And thank you so much for everything. And I'm, I'm so honored to be on the show and be, you know, really the first one to talk to, you know, about this. And, and I'm honored. I really am. It's going to be great. We'll see you Sunday. You be well. All right, but you too. The great Jason Giambi, now Oakland A's Hall of Famer. How cool was that, A's fans? The great Gene Tennis, World Series MVP, been on this program many times. I have so much respect for Gino, his career. I think it's just fitting that he finally gets in, should be in. Um, I think we got him. Gene, are you there? Yes, I am here. It's Chris Towns, and it's great to have you on the program again, and congratulations on going into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame. I appreciate that. You know, the last time we talked to you recently at the 1973 celebration, you know, I, I just think about all these players, and we've lost some of them lately, but all these guys, how you guys grew up together, what you guys have all meant to each other, what, what your families mean to each other, and now you think about your great A's career, and it's now going to end in the A's Hall of Fame with a lot of the guys you played with and won World Series with. What does that mean to you? Oh, that means a lot to me. Uh, I uh, We got eight guys in there, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that's in the Oakland Hall of Fame already. So uh, that means a lot, going in there with all those guys. We got, I believe we got three more guys on the ballot, so – we need to get those other three guys in, if we, if at all possible. You know, it's amazing your career um, when you think about World Series championships because obviously you were able to go on and win World Series with other teams, even as a coach. We can get into that. But just talk about when you look back on that time, three straight World Series, just how just incredible – just how incredible it was, all the winning, but to win three straight. Yeah, we had a group of guys that were pretty special. Uh, obviously, we had uh, tremendous pitching was our key and our strength to our ball club, our starting pitching and our relief pitching. Uh, but then you go, you know, then you go with the position players when you got guys like Bando and Campanaris and Dick Green in the infield. And Ray Fossey behind the plate, Joe Rudy in left field, Billy North in center, Reggie, Mr. October in right. <laughs> and then you had all these uh, extra guys on the bench that, you know, like guys like George Hendricks, Angel Manguel, Ted Kubiak, and, you know, and, and, and on and on that, you know, guys needed a, a blow, needed a day off. You can insert those guys in a lineup. We never missed a beat. Yeah, and we've had, you know, I've been so fortunate to be around you guys now for so many years and with uh, all the different celebrations and, you know, recently talking to Joe Rudy about it, where how you guys all lived together growing up and next thing you know, you guys are getting married and you're having kids. It's just take us through just the lifestyle of how you guys really grew into men together. So we just think of you guys so much as winning championships, but it was more than just winning championships together. You guys were truly like a family. 
Yeah, we were. Uh, you know, Rudy and I and Bando, uh, we lived out. Uh, uh, we had a home. I had a home on San Ramon. Those two guys, Bando and Rudy, lived in in Danville. They were they were high rent district guys. <laughs> they had they were making more money, so I had to stay in in the San Ramon. <laughs> but then you had Fosse come out there uh, when we acquired him. So we had a carpool. And I think Raleigh was out there, too, if I'm not mistaken. So we had, like, all those guys, and we always had a carpool, so make sure all the wives always had a car to go into this coliseum. So we, uh, and then we had kids, always, we all had kids, and they all got along. And, you know, yeah, and we kind of, Raleigh and I and Rudy and Bando, uh, we pretty much, well, those guys were always a, a, a year or two ahead of me in the minor leagues, and I was a late bloomer because I was converted into a catcher. And uh, so I had uh, – I was lagging back because I was trying to learn the position. <laughs> but uh, those guys got to the big leagues before I did in 69, then I showed up on the scene. I know I've asked you this so. before, but I, I, I want the fans to hear it again. Uh, it just wasn't the World Series in 72. You came up big in the postseason, ALCS, and the World Series. Just talk about what that time was like. You're, you're, you're taking on, what was it, Detroit, and then it's the big red machine. Yeah. You end up being the hero. Yeah. You're the World Series MVP. Obviously, there were the threats off the field. Just take us through that time. Yeah, you know, I became uh, in late August, I think it was, Dick Williams made a catching change because Dave Duncan was the number one catcher for the entire season up till I think it was late August. He called me in and he told me that I was from now on I was his number one catcher and all he wanted me to do was catch, handle the pitching staff. He didn't care what I hit. So anyway, we go in and I, I did exactly what he said. I didn't hit. <laughs> so. You know, like I handled the staff what he wanted, and I couldn't get a stinking hit to save my life. <laughs> but then we get into the playoffs with Detroit, and I couldn't get any hits in the stinking playoffs. We win the first two games in Oakland, and we go to Detroit, and and God, well, we we, you know, we got this best. Uh, what was the best three out of five? I think, yeah. So we lose the next two games. And I'm going to tell you what, I've never experienced that kind of pressure in my life uh, because now we're in the fifth game and then uh, uh, we end up winning that game and I got my only hit in the series, which turned out to drive in a run, George Hendricks from second base with two outs. It was the big hit. So we end up, yeah, we end up winning that game. Vita came in and finished the game out. I think he pitched the last three or four innings. Blue Moon held him to one run. And uh, and and then Vita came in and shut it down, and then we went on into Cincinnati. And now Cincinnati, see, I grew up two hours from Cincinnati. I, you know, as a kid, I grew up in that area. I was only down the river about two hours from Cincinnati, so I was familiar with uh, with Cincinnati, and uh, I also I had a lot of family and friends there. For that series in Cincinnati. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was a funny story I tell people because that first day, well, it was a workout, uh, and we had, you know, we, you know, we had all these players out there, and I had one guy from where I grew up that did an interview with me. I only did one interview 
prior to that first game on Saturday. And then after that first game, it seemed like I couldn't get away from doing interviews. It was nonstop. <laughs> it was comic. It was really funny because I did a guy, I did an interview from the in Portsmouth where I grew up. Uh, and it was a local paper where I grew up and uh, played Legion Ball. And uh, he did an interview with me. It was a short interview. And then the rest of the time, I was able to take batting practice. And these guys, man, they were doing interviews. And I'm getting in a cage. And I'm getting all the hitting in. I kept looking around. Are you guys going to hit? And they were, you know, they were just handcuffed with, you know, stinking reporters. And I just stayed in the cage and just kept taking their swings. And the next thing you know, Saturday, it was the same thing Saturday. They're doing all these interviews right before game. And I'm going, man, it's, it's batting practice time. What are you guys doing? Talk to them after we get done. So I'll, they wouldn't come in the case. So I just told the coach, keep throwing me this thing at BP. You know, we can't leave the fort unguarded. So uh, I got a lot of hidden in, and obviously it paid off. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I ended up having a great uh, first game, and then I had a very great series. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a lot of fun. And World Series, you know, it's it's funny. You, you win three in a row, and then throughout the rest of your career, even as a coach going to, uh, back to 92-93, one of the great teams under Cito Gast, uh, Cito Gast and the Toronto Blue Jays winning the World Series. I mean, just what was that like throughout your baseball career, whether you're a player, you're a coach, you always seem to be in the playoffs, yeah, and you yeah. won a lot of rings. Yeah, I was, I was, I consider myself pretty fortunate, you know, uh, even fortunate enough to even play with a group of guys I played with in Oakland. And I ended up going to getting traded from San Diego to St. Louis mm-hmm. in 81. And then, uh, of course they had that stick and strike in 81. We should have been in the playoffs in 81 and we got bumped out. And, uh, I think Cincinnati bumped us out cause of, uh, I forget how it went. Anyway, we we end up having the best record, and they went and then it went by the second half record. So we got bumped out because we got penalized for winning at the first half, and then the, the strike hit, you know, in '81. And then when they came back, it was who won the second half, and we Cincinnati, I think, won the second half, or somebody won the second half. I don't forget who it was, but anyway, we lost it. We didn't get in the past. So the next year, at '82, we ended up. Finally getting in the playoffs, and then we went all the way to the World Series and beat uh, Milwaukee in seven. And Bruce Souter uh, saved that last game for us to clinch it for us in, uh, in in St. Louis. Yeah, then I ended up in Toronto as a as a coach, and and uh, this is another funny story. Uh, Paul Beeston, I don't know if you remember oh, yeah. that name. He was the he's the president of the Blue Jays. Of course, he's just a huge baseball fan, and he's always down on the field. And then we're we're playing Atlanta. Wait a minute, we're playing Atlanta, yeah, in the World Series. And he's he's pacing back and forth. He's a nervous wreck. And I was standing there. I was done with the hitting fungos to my first baseman, and then I called him over. I said, "Boy, are you all right?" He said, "Oh, I'm a nervous wreck." I said, "I said you shouldn't be nervous." He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, what year is this? He goes, 92. I said, okay. I said, 72, I want a world championship. 82, I want another world championship. And this is 1992, so we're going to win another world championship. And we ended up beating Atlanta. <laughs> 
And then we played Philadelphia and beat them in 93, you know, so I won back-to-back you know, back twice as a player and coach. It's just a charmed baseball life, Gene. It's the bottom line. It's a charmed baseball life. Yeah, you got it. I did it the right place at the right time. There's, there's, I don't know about that charm thing. <laughs> Well, but you got to have a little skill set, but you know you got to have be doing something right. So you know whether it's a hitting, whether it's a player or a coach. So you know you got to have the right personnel. We, you know, Toronto, we had a great club. I'm going to tell you that we had some talent there in Toronto. My oh, gosh, we had tremendous pitching. Well, Dave Stewart was there with us. Yeah, Ricky Henderson in '93. Uh, yeah, they helped us win another ring. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were my, outstanding. My God, you had Dave Winfield, uh, future Hall of Famer at the time, had, had some big hits for you yeah. in that World Series. Then you replaced yeah, him with it, another future Hall of Famer, Paul Molitor. All kinds of talent yeah. on that team. Yeah, we did. We had a lot of talent. Joe Joe Carter, uh, John Olerud, uh, Robbie Alomar. I mean, yeah, the, the list goes on and on. Dwine Dwine White, Pat Borders. He was a catcher. He was MVP. Yeah, yeah, we had some tremendous talent, and we had great pitching and great bullpen. So there was a, you know, so it's just like in Oakland. We had great pitching and great, great relief pitching. It's truly amazing. Three straight World Series championships, only the A's and the Yankees. It shows just how hard it is to win one. Gina, we have, we haven't had a repeat since the Yankees did it in the late late nineties into two thousand. I think people now truly yeah. understand what you did, how amazing it was to win three in a row because it just doesn't happen. We can't even get back-to-back, -back, let alone three in a row. Right. It's very difficult. It's, it's difficult to win. It's not because, you know, there's so much talent in the big leagues, in you know, both leagues now, and it's, it's, it's so difficult, you know, to win. And, and then if you do fortunate enough to win, to then back it up with another year, like you had before. I mean, it's very difficult to get back to back, let alone put three of them together. I mean, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. Uh, there's only been two organizations uh, that's ever done that in the history of the game, and it's the Yankees and us. So, and of course, they've done it several times. But uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a tough business. I mean, it's tough to win. It's not easy. Well, what a career you've had, and I can't wait to celebrate you on Sunday. I've always appreciated you coming on all the different programs that I have, but especially this one, A's Cast Live. Be well, my friend, and we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You take care. Appreciate it. The great Gene Tennis joining us right here on A's Cast Live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carney, it's Chris Townsend with the A's. How are you? I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I got to think this is going to be a special day for you. I know we've talked about it in the past, but as a guy that grew up here in the Bay Area, a guy that grew up an A's fan, got a chance to play for the A's, you, you won a World Series with the A's. What is this going to mean to you going into the Oakland A's Hall of Fame? 
Well, Chris, it's such an honor. I can't even begin words. There's no words for it. Uh, you know, to be joining the guys that uh, I idolized growing up when I was in high school was when the A's are winning three straight World Series. So, you know, to be joining guys like Joe Rudy, Reggie Jackson, Campy, Catfish, Sal, all those guys, it's just a tremendous honor. Yeah, and you're going in with Gene Tennis. Yeah, I know. I want, I actually, when I was in high school, I was listening to the World Series, my little transistor radio, and that's the year that one, the year that Gino had all those home runs in the World Series. So, be going in with him, and then of course I love Jason Giambi. So, and my man Roy Steele. What can I say? It's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be very special. And, and and the thing that most players will never get the opportunity to play in the area they grew up. They just don't get that opportunity. When you look back now, how special was that? It was awesome because, you know, again, I idolized the A's growing up. That was my team. And I can't tell you how many times I went to the Coliseum to watch them play. And uh, to get the opportunity to play on that field, uh, basically I felt like I was playing at home. So, I mean, I was born in San Jose, raised in Santa Clara. So 30 minutes away was the Coliseum. So I got to play there for 10 years. It was awesome. You know, I think about the teams that you played on, and we've gone over them, especially during the COVID years. Uh, we, 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 we played a lot of the X Games. I mean, you, when you look back at how great those teams were, you won a World Series, three straight World Series appearances. But just talk about how lucky you were to play on a team like that, led by one of the great managers of all time, Antonio La Russa. Yeah, and you've got to give Sandy Alderson a lot of credit and Wally Haas for putting together those teams. Um you know, once Tony came over is when we really started making moves to acquire great players. Bobby Welch, Rick Honeycutt, uh, Dave Henderson came over, Dave Parker they signed. So, I mean, they just really put together a great, a great team for a number of years. When did you know, like when you were looking around and you realized, when did you realize, oh, we got something special? Actually, it was the first day of spring training in 1988. Uh, we had been, Tony had just had his first meeting with us in the locker room. And as we were walking out of the locker room onto the field, I remember looking at the guys coming out and immediately I said, wow, this year we actually have a really good chance to win this thing. So it was 88 spring training. And I think about your guys' run. You guys are like rock stars. I, you know, there, there, there's, you know, good teams obviously are very very popular but when you guys went on the road it was like one of those deals where you just couldn't walk through the lobby of the hotel like most teams just talk about what you had stars on your team you had a bunch of stars what was that like being on a star-studded ball club like you guys had it was awesome it uh you know when we played away games it, there would be more green jackets and green hats in the stands at the visiting park than there was their own guys, their own colors. So it was great. I mean, it's Ricky, Ed, Stu, uh, you know, all those guys, Jose, Mark, Terry Steinbach. You know, we just had a great team, and it was a lot of fun. And we did feel like rock stars, actually, for about three or four years there. And you guys beat the you-know-what out of people. I've, I've done a lot of TV with Stu lately, and Stu and I chat and watch the games, and we've just talked about how how intimidating you guys were. Like, you walked out on the field and you had games won already. Yeah, you know, Tony used to talk to us about, you know, breaking it down, you know, uh, one series at a time, actually. He said, our goal should be to try to win every series that we play. So that's usually two out of three games. But then if you won the first two, then you got to get greedy and try to sweep. So, I mean, 
yeah, we had we had great talent. We knew it. Uh, and for me, you know, we had great pitching, great starting pitching, a great bullpen. Rick Honeycutt, the greatest closer that I can think of, Dennis Eckersley, had a great bench. So we just had a team with no weakness on it. So even in the days when Tony would give some veterans a rest, the guys that you ran out there, the Stan Javier's and those guys, they were we weren't missing a beat with any of those guys out there. So it was awesome. You know, the one thing when you're such a good hitter, people just focus on that and they forget about your defense. And I know that's always tough because you pride yourself so much on playing defense and your guys' teams prided themselves on being great defensively. Like everybody always wants to talk about your hitting. Do you ever go, hey, listen, I bring the leather to the ball, to the yard every day too? Yeah, Chris, you know, for me, really, in all honesty, the offense is nice, it's great. Um, but I would rather when I played make a great play to save a ball game than to get three hits and lose. You know, for me, it was just about winning. And if I can help my pitcher out by making a great play, um, that, that meant a lot to me. When I go into the clubhouse after the game, look in the mirror. I felt really good about myself if I played a great defensive game. So, yeah, defense was, was my, my pride, actually. But let's, let's be honest, you could flat out swing it. Well, I did okay. I did. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. And a lot of guys had a lot to do with that, uh, helping me out or whatever. Walt Riniak, when I went, went to Boston, he's the guy that really taught me how to use the whole field and made me a much better hitter, a much better contact hitter. So I got to give Walt Riniak a lot of credit there. So, um, yeah, but offense is fun. It's great being on base. My favorite thing about playing the game was running the bases. And you can't run the bases unless you get on. So, um, yeah, hitting is great. Defense was more important to me, though. You know, we've seen it with Zach Geloff lately, uh, a young second baseman who's just come up. His ability to go the other way as a right-handed hitter, to have power, to hit the ball out to right center, hit the ball off the wall, extra base hits, be able to go foul pole to foul pole. You know, so many hitters today, and of course you were a hitting coach, you know exactly these kids are all coming up. They're all trying to pull it and hit the ball of the ballpark. You had a great ability that, yeah, you could do that, but you also had the great ability to go to the right side. Talk about what your approach was like that we don't see a lot of that in today's baseball. Well, you know, Chris, when I got to the A's, I hit behind Ricky most of the time. So you have the greatest base dealer in the history of the game. And so a lot of times, you know, he's on second base with nobody out. So my job was to get him over to third or get him in by hitting the ball the opposite way. So when I, when I first got to Boston, I, Joe Rudy got me in touch with Walt Riniak in spring training. And he's really the guy that taught me how to stay back and use the whole field. And when I was in, in Anaheim with the Angels my first three years, I was pretty much just see ball, hit ball. I never really thought about, you know, trying to purposely hit the ball hard to the middle the other way. If I hit it the other way, it was probably an accident most of the time. So, you know, I started working with him and it just became part of my routine every day to do soft toss and work on hitting the ball the other way and then pull some balls. But most of the balls I hit were the other way. So it made it uh, tougher to pitch to me, I think, because you don't jump out. These guys that just strictly pull the ball, I think they're pretty easy to pitch to most of the time. You know, they just jump out there and they chase a lot of balls in the dirt because they're so committed to trying to pull the ball that they don't stay back and you know, try to use the whole field and hit the ball the other way. So, you know, it just helped me too, Chris, with like my two-strike approach. Really, the first three years of my career, I didn't really have a two-strike approach. But once I got to Boston in my entire time with the A's, I really thought about, hey, make sure with two strikes that you're swinging at it is a strike or close to a strike. So 
just the discipline, I think, was more important than anything. You know, we talk so much about managers. We talk so much now about front office guys. There's a bunch of legendary coaches out there that really don't get their due. And you mentioned Walt Reniak, and, and you think about what he did for you. You think about what he did for George Brett. You think about what he did for some of these great players. Uh, he, he, he should be talked about more. And I think some of the great pitching, Dave Duncan, for instance, as a pitching coach. But when you talk about Reniak as a hitting coach, just talk about the greatness of a man that really changed so many of your guys' lives. He changed a lot of lives. And, you, and one guy you left out there was, who left Boston the year before or the year that I got there, Carlton Fisk, great hitter. And he worked with, with uh, Dewey Evans. He worked with Walt Reniak. And by the way, Walt Reniak was a disciple of Charlie Lau. Yeah. That's how he learned. That's how he learned how to teach guys how to hit. So, yeah, it was just, it's important to have a guy. He wasn't even our our hitting coach when I was in Boston. And they should get way more credit than, than they actually get. But that's most of the time that's what happens when you're a coach. So you don't get a lot of credit. <laughs> and also on hitting behind Ricky Henderson, how tough is it to be patient at bat after at bat? You, you, you know he's going to be going. There have to be a ton of times you took pitches that you would have loved to swing at that you couldn't, and that's truly being a team guy in your lineup. You know, the, uh, when I first got to the A's, hitting behind Ricky was really difficult for me because I'm a very aggressive hitter. I don't like trying to hit with two strikes all the time and then still try to be productive. Um, it, but we didn't really communicate, Ricky and I, when I first got there. Then he went to New York for a year or two, and he came back. And the first thing I did was sit down with Ricky and said, hey, you know, we, we just communicated. I said, you know, Rick, there's some pitchers out there that I, that I can give two strikes to, and I still feel pretty confident that I can put the ball in play with authority. But there's some guys out there that, that I need three swings. i just being honest with you. There's some These are major league pitchers, you know. And I said, so let me ask them, what's the chance when you're on first base and you know that you're going to go that next pitch? Is there any way you can just give me some little sign so that I know to take the pitch? And, and, and he honestly, what he said is, I'll tell you what, when I'm on first base, if you see me pick my pants on the right-hand side, then I'm going to go that pitch. And it made it so much better because he did every time. Because before that, you know, there's sometimes that he would deke like he was going, you take a, a pitch and he doesn't go, and that was a good pitch to hit. Um, but he was really good. He, he was great with me because he said, those guys that you really struggle with, don't worry about taking pitches with them. I'll get them myself. And he always did. So uh, just the communication hitting behind a guy like a Ricky Henderson was huge. You know, I, I think about guys, you know, it's been a while since you've played, so you may think that the fan base forgets about you, and then all of a sudden you go to fantasy camp and you realize – they haven't forgotten you at all and what you mean <laughs> to this fan base. What, what is that like when you go back and you put the uniform on and you're in Arizona and all those fans start telling you about what they saw you do and how much they loved you as a player and they love those teams that won? What has that been like kind of kind of revigorating that relationship w with the fan base? You know, it's great to be there with the fans. and They're awesome. I have a great time doing it. I've done it a half a dozen times, and I'll be doing it again this next January. Uh, but, you know, one of the, the best things for me is seeing my former teammates and guys that played before me with the A's that come in and say, you know, Terry Steinbach comes out from Minnesota. 
Greg Cattery's there pretty much every year. Shooty does a great job of hosting yeah. the, the fantasy camp. He's awesome. And so we have a blast, you know, and, the, and just seeing the fans out there having fun, enjoying it, and, and telling the different little stories is, is, is great. Please take down Dallas Braden. I we got. I, we're all tired of hearing about <laughs> Dallas Braden uh, and him uh, coaching. This is one that one of you guys got to take him down this year. You know, we, I coached with Terry Steinbach last year, and we had every game won until the, the not the championship game, but the winner of the the, the second to last game was going to go to the championship, and we had won every game, and then we got to to the end of the game. And our pitcher couldn't throw strikes. And you know, when the guys are facing women, they get a little, you know, a little nervous because they can't throw, you know, as hard as they can, because you don't want to embarrass the ladies up there. So you want them to at least try to hit the ball, and then they try so hard that they can't throw a strike. So we're, we're walking the bases loaded, we'll walk a guy in, and then pretty soon one of our guys, at the end of the game, the last inning, one of our guys hits a ball deep to right field where. This lady was playing out there, and you think she's got to go back. She has no chance. We're going to win this game right here. And she makes the play of her life and catches the ball on the end of her glove. And our guy that we had on second base would have been the, the go-ahead run. He goes around third base, and he tags it second, going around third base, and Terry's at third base. He's like, stop, stop, stop. The guy wants to be the hero, and he ran straight through. Oh. And he, he, made, he was out by oh. half the distance at home plate. <laughs> So we would have been in the, the championship game had that not happened. But, you know, Dallas, once again, he goes in there and he, and he wins. So, you know, but I got to tell you, you know, I didn't even know Dallas until a couple of years ago. And the guy's hilarious. I love him. Between him and Shooty hosting that thing, all you do is laugh the entire time. Yeah, it's such a great event. We, 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 we felt so lucky to be there this year, and we can't wait to bring our cameras down again and uh, – Get all the action here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live for all the fans. Uh, is, is your speech ready? Do you have it ready to rock? It is. Right. Oh, yeah. I only get two minutes, and I have a number of people I have to thank for this and that, so my time will be up. <laughs> well, it is always an honor to have you on the program. Congratulations. You know, when I was growing up, you were definitely one of the premier hitters in the game love watching you play and it's always been great having you on the show congratulations and i can't wait to see you on sunday thanks chris thanks for having me on your show i'm looking forward to this next weekend take care you have fun okay see you later carney lansford new a's hall of famer that is awesome it was such an honor to speak with all three of these former athletics, their careers second to none, and they definitely deserve to be remembered forever in the Oakland A's Hall of Fame. We want to thank Jason Giambi, Gene Tennis, and Carney Lansford. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.